friends to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Howdy, howdy, guys. Welcome to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show podcast. Episode 15. Thanks for coming back and joining me again. As always, appreciate your all support. Uh, getting a lot of feedback. Continuing on the website and, and Facebook. So I certainly appreciate that. Uh, keep your shooting questions coming. It always gives me something to talk about, and I try to tie the podcast into uh, whatever question we we have uh, for that episode. Just coming off the, the Florida State IDPA Championship this last weekend, so we're going to talk a little bit about IDPA and then a little bit of a self-defense flair this this episode. So I've got a couple, um, couple of topics I want to, I want to hit on regarding uh, concealed carry holders and and general self-defense tactics. I'm not a not a big IDPA guy. Uh, not really my favorite sport, but you know it is a sport. It catches <laughs> catches a lot of flack in the in the other competition world. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a game. It's different game, different rules. And uh, if you don't like it, don't play it. Uh, I don't shoot a lot of matches, but I do shoot the Florida State Championship most years. And uh, I was fortunate to win it again this year. Uh, I've missed missed a couple over the years, but I think I've won every one I've shot. So. That uh, makes me happy, and the way the way this year's been going, I've had a lot of second and third place finishes, so it's nice to finally win something. I normally shoot my badass Terran Tactical Glock 34, and I was out practicing on Thursday. We shot on Saturday, and I traveled on Friday, but I was out shooting on Thursday and had a damn squib, second squib I've had in 20 years of shooting, and it was kind of a bad one, and it was a Montana Gold Bullet, but uh, in pounding it out it actually stripped the jacket off of the bullet and a nice clean slug of solid lead came out leaving the jacket in the barrel so that barrel's probably ruined and certainly not something I could fix on a Thursday before a Saturday match I do have a carry optics Glock 34 uh, it was done by uh, Adam's Arms Voodoo something or other so I dropped that barrel in and uh, it seemed to work fine so all good, went out, shot, zeroed. Uh, sights were significantly different. That kind of surprised me a bit. So I had to, it's fixed sights. So I had to drift, drift the rear and, and I had a little bit different hold on elevation, but, but nothing major. It was, it was fine. So I packed the, the Glock 17 as well, just in case have a, have a backup gun. And I went to the chrono station when I got there to do a, a courtesy check, just to make sure my mags fit the box and, and all that crap. They, they did before, but you never know. So had it checked, and the guy says, your trigger safety doesn't work. And the trigger safety is that little tab that prevents the trigger from being pulled without a quote-unquote proper finger placement on the trigger. So I looked at it, and I didn't really get a chance to mess with it in front of him. He just said, make sure it's fixed by tomorrow. So fine. So back to the hotel, take it apart, and dicking around with it. You can't really, I mean, I'd never messed with that particular spring before. And best I can tell, you can't get to it. It's a fixed-in part. There's a there's a pin, but it's only accessible by one side, so it looks like it's press fit in, and there it is. Um, I think that spring is just worn out. I mean, it's not a new gun. I've got got plenty of rounds on it, and I didn't have any any uh, brake cleaner or anything to to try to hose it out. But I tried to clean it up, and I don't know. It was close. If if you rack the slide and let it go, it worked fine. If you pin the trigger to the rear, rack the slide, and then let it out to the reset, it did not work. So I went to appeal to the master director the next morning to see what he said before I started shooting. And that voodoo barrel has some decorative cuts on the chamber. They don't do anything. It's just their their signature, I guess, the way they cut the barrels. 
and uh, I'm shooting SSP. And he said, well, trigger safety is probably fine, but, but this barrel puts you in ESP, not SSP. It's like, ah, crap. All right, so fine, I'll shoot the 17. So I pull out the Glock 17, which is really my more of a training gun, more of a tactical gun, but it's relatively stock. Um, I think I've, you know, polished a trigger bow and some, or the trigger bar and some things like that, but nothing, but nothing major, but it's, but it's fine. It's the gun works. No problem. Uh, so anyway, I shot fine. Ended up, ended up winning the match by, by a lot. So that was good. A lot of rule changes in IDPA this year. If, if you're not following along at home, they, the biggest one is they changed the scoring to one second penalty per point down instead of a half second penalty per point down. So anything outside of the A zone for your USPSA guys or the down zero, which is a circle in the middle of the target, is, is one second. And I'd goofed around with that a little bit in practice, kind of seeing, like, you know, do you really need to take the time to aim or do you have to score the targets as you go or, you know, take extra shots or that kind of thing. And it turns out it really I – did, I didn't shoot drastically different. Yes, I did, air quote, aim harder at the middle, but you're really just picking a different target, you know, instead of the – Instead of the, the the whole cardboard target being the target, the the uh, circle in the middle is your target. So you you know shoot as if that's what you're trying to hit, and uh, that worked that worked fine. I ended up 18 down on the match. Um, last year I won the same one SSP and overall and it's 87 down. So you know pretty drastically pretty drastic difference there in terms of you know my level of aiming. And again, if you've trained with me, you know you know there's there's tactics and, and there's decisions on how to do that. You don't just aim harder. You know you've You've got a different level of, of trigger control and sight picture that we're using in order to, air quote, aim harder. Um, and it's probably not an apples-to-apples comparison. Last year, the stages were pretty different. There was uh, damn near every stage last year was three rounds per target. So that's going to automatically lead to more down than normal, I think. But uh, still, 87 to 18, that's a, that's a pretty big difference. And then the other big difference was uh, they added fault lines now instead of using their normal cover calls or, you know, what the old standard was for cover positions. And really like that. I'm not a big fan of the one second down, but I really like the, the fault lines. It, in my opinion, it takes a subjectivity away from the safety officers and lets the competitors compete. So now you don't, you're not so worried about your competitor getting away with a, you know, cover call and getting an easier transition when, when you're not getting it. So probably, to the best I can remember, the first IDPA match I've ever shot without a procedural for cover violation. So that was cool. So I got out of the match with no procedurals. Big, big thanks to the to the match staff. They put on a good, uh, good show down at the Homestead Shooting Range or Homestead Training Center. Uh, I know, as you know, I know what kind of work goes into putting on a match at that level, and appreciate their efforts. Uh, safety officers were great. Didn't have any, no real issues. They um, they had a lot of DQs at the match, which that's kind of getting a lot of flare on the internet I'll I'll stay out of that fight but uh, so that's unfortunate but you know sometimes those things happen they had, they had a couple of relatively complicated stages where there's a lot going on um, doors and, and activators you're pulling and you know getting off golf tables and drawing seated and some things like that so you're going to have that you know it's you got to have some pretty solid gun handling to be able to get through uh, but all in all great time I, I was homestead so from where I'm at down there is about a four-hour drive. I took the bike, so a nice ride on Saturday, on Friday going down. Shot Saturday and then came back Saturday night after the match. That wasn't so nice, but uh, it was worth it to, to get the ride down. So speaking of IDPA and defensive pistol association stuff, uh, obviously, you know, IDPA is not training. It's That's not what it's for. It's a game. But in their, their um, 
you know, idea or mindset in developing the sport, it is, you know, defensive in nature. And that's where the shooting from cover came from and the kind of sort of real gear came from and then that type of deal. Um, slicing the pie, as you've probably heard, or, you know, taking targets as you see them around corner and trying to use some semblance of cover. So those are, those are important techniques and those are techniques that you need to be familiar with from a, from a training standpoint, from a self-defense defense standpoint. So I have a funny kind of long story I'll try to get through quickly. So I was leaving work the other night. This has been a, maybe a month and a half ago now. And it was after, uh, after dark, the sun had come down. And if you've, you know, it, it's country dark out there. If you've never been in country dark, it's different than city dark. Uh, when you're outside uh, away from a light source, it's, it's uh, black as night, as they say. Like literally can't see your eyes or can't see your hand in front of your face. So I knew it was going to be dark out. So I grabbed my uh, flashlight out of my bag and I was walking around the corner. My carry gun and my keys were in the truck. And our our door at the at the shop there, when you when you set it and set the alarm and close the door, it locks behind you. So ain't no getting back in without the keys. Uh, if you've seen our place, the, there's a floodlight out front of the building, and I park around the side normally. But once you cut the corner around the side, that floodlight's going out to the front. So there's you know once you break the corner, you've gotten out of the light, and there's zero light out there. So I'd already had my light out because I knew like you can't even see the door handle of your truck to, to open the door. That's how dark it is. So I had the light on or I had the light out. Had my backpack I was carrying with my computer and that's got that super tactical secret hidden compartment for the Glock 19 you've heard me talk about before. And then my hands were full. I had a coffee cup and a sweatshirt in one hand that I brought to work that morning and uh, my flashlight in the other. So I'm just getting ready to round the corner to where my truck is and just getting ready to turn the light on and I hear pretty heavy footsteps in the gravel. So again, if you haven't been to a place uh, out in front of the building is concrete. And then as soon as you go around the corner, it's all gravel and, uh, pretty, I mean, heavy enough footsteps that stopped me in my tracks. Started backpedaling a little bit. I didn't drop anything cause I didn't want to make a bunch of noise on the concrete and took a knee and I'm fetching around in the bag to get my Glock out and trained on the corner. I, I hit my flashlight. Well, if you remember, a few podcasts ago, I think it was around Christmas time, I was saying that the downtime around the holidays is a is a great time to make sure all your concealed carry gear is up to par, change the batteries in your lights, you know, get rid of your old ammo, re- replenish with some new, etc. Yeah, well, I didn't. So my light was shit. I I could barely even see the corner of the building from 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 15 feet away. So all the light was doing was probably giving away my position at that point. <clears throat> About that time, I realized that I had taken a knee right in the middle of the floodlight. So now I'm, I'm standing in the only light within five miles probably. So I grabbed the bag and drug it over to the, up against the side of the building to where I was least in the shadows. And it's just funny how much, how much stuff goes through your head like that. When you're out there by yourself, it's, you know, if there's any hunters out there, you know, I don't care who you are. When you're walking in the woods at 4.30 in the morning by yourself, you, you're positive there's a boogeyman around every tree. So I'm, you know, 99% sure it's not a person. I'm, I'm sure it's an animal and probably a harmless animal. But, you know, even animals out there, we have coyotes, we have panthers, we have bears. I mean, it could be anything. So I'm fishing around in the bag because I know I have another light in there. Get the other light out, turn that on. It was totally dead. So zero light. Well, fortunately, I carry a tertiary light just because I have a bunch of shit in my bag, not because I'm that much of a tattoo geek. So I finally get the third light out. And it works. So cool. So now I got a light. I got a gun. And now we can start to figure out what's going on here. 
So again, my keys are in the truck. The door's locked, so <laughs> I can't get back in. So it's I got to figure out how to, to solve this on my own. And again, it's funny how you know little things like that, your heart gets pumping and and uh, you're trying to analyze what's going on. So I'm thinking, well, I could have I could go around the other side of the building uh, and get to the truck that way, but it was really dark over there, and that's now you got to go around three sides of the building in the pitch black. So that didn't sound great. And again, I'm thinking there's no way this is a person because it's you know we we are a gun we are a gun store we do have guns on property so I guess it could be a target but you know out and we have been broken into in the past <clears throat> but uh, you know out there in the middle of nowhere again that was not the likely scenario likely scenario is it's some crappy little animal that just freed me out for a second but you never know so in my teachings you know when we work on tactical classes and work with military law enforcement you know we we do certainly teach use of cover, uh, how to shoot from cover, how to use cover to your advantage, uh, how to slice the pie, how to, to work around that corner easily. But for, you know, Joe civilian or your, your concealed carry holder, I'm not a big fan of the old slow clear of the house like you see at some of these other schools. And I think, you know, I don't know, but I think one of the big reasons they teach that is that it's safe. You know, it's safer to have a student work balls slow going through a house than it is having them you know, busting ass through the house. But I just don't see a use for that for a civilian. If, you know, again, if you're military or law enforcement, yeah, maybe. Maybe you're searching for somebody or something or whatever. But for you and I, you know, I don't, I don't envision a reason to be slow clearing your house. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, um, you know, if, there's, if you're outside and there's nobody in there and you think somebody's in your house, well, keep your ass outside and call the cops. If, uh, you know, bump in the night and, You've got a kid in the other room and you need to get to that kid. Well, I'm going to be hauling ass to get to my kid. I'm not going to be slow pie in the corner. So again, I just don't see a big use for it. However, here I am in the middle of the night, slow, slow clearing a corner, <laughs> pieing it off. And uh, so I use the, the neck index technique with the flashlight because I shoot much more strong hand only, you know, without a light. So I'm much more familiar and comfortable shooting that in that fashion. And then the, the neck index gives you plenty of light going that direction as opposed to like a Harry's or a cigar or dildo technique or whatever other ones are out there. Not that there's anything wrong with those. I just, I go with, I go with what I know. And I did back up from the light or quite a bit from the floodlight. So I'm out further to the front of the building. And then there I am working the corner, working the corner, working the corner. Well, I get about, I don't know, two thirds away around the corner when I, I think I should have seen my truck by now and there, I don't see the truck. So now I'm thinking, son of a bitch, it was a person. They stole, and they stole my damn truck because my keys were in it. And keep working the corner, working the corner, working the corner, finally get around enough, and there's a big, fat-ass, beady-eyed raccoon looking back at me. So now I'm thinking, all right, well, that's cool, but where's the truck? So it turns out I had parked on the other side of the building. I, I switch it up from time to time, depending on how I pull in. So I'd not even parked over there. If I'd been parked on the other side, or if I'd have gone around the other side to try to, to, try to clear the corner, I would have run into my truck and been safe and on my merry way but anyway it was just an interesting turn of events that whole thing probably took five minutes but uh, a lot of things went through my mind and a lot of different techniques came to play uh, the first of which is change your damn batteries and your flashlight like I told you to uh, needless to say all minor change now so I'm good to go so on that note uh, you know concealed carry holders I've taught a couple of uh, uh, probably more defensive classes this year than I have in years past. So these topics have come up quite a bit. And, you know, the word the word awesome gets thrown around a lot in American slang, and I use it a lot myself. But, 
you know, in the truest sense of the word, carrying it, choosing to carry a gun for your self-defense is an awesome responsibility and certainly not one to be taken lightly. You know, what I tell, what I tell my students, I teach kind of in a, we teach the concealed carry class, but I, you know, not a lot because there's plenty of places out there to do that. The one I work on is, you know, more, more in depth and more on situational awareness, techniques and shooting than, than it is cranking out a two and a half hour class to get somebody licensed. Uh, what I tell, you know, what I tell my students is if you wouldn't go somewhere without carrying a gun, well, you sure as hell shouldn't go there just because you're carrying a gun. You know, it should be exactly the opposite. I've, you should find yourself avoiding situations because you're carrying a gun, not getting into situations because you're carrying a gun. You know, it's there to defend your life, the life of your family, even the life of another. But you can read account after account after account that even if you're 100% in the right, that you're going to probably spend the next five years, 10 years, and God knows how many thousands of dollars, you know, defending yourself from civil suits and, and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the carrying a gun shouldn't make you a tough guy. Uh, and on that note as well, be careful who you mess with. You know, don't be, don't be the other tough guy, whether you have a gun or not, because you never know, especially here in Florida, you know, the guy might be carrying a gun and might be an ass and might gun you down. So on that note, we've got pretty big case going on here in the Tampa area right now. Uh, you've probably seen it on the news, a guy named Curtis Reeves. He's a elderly gentleman, 71, I think. He was in a movie theater, got an altercation with a guy and ended up killing him. And uh, Florida has a, a stand your ground law, which any news story that covers it, they, they preface that with the controversial stand your ground law. And it's basically an extension of the castle doctrine here that you don't have a duty to retreat. So you don't have to try to get away from a situation in order to defend yourself. And on the surface, I think it's a great law. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I, you know, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to try to run away. However, you know, back to what I said before, it's an awesome responsibility and you've got to have your wits about you if you're choosing to carry a, to carry a gun. So long story short, this guy's in a movie theater, a younger man and his wife are in front of him. The younger man, I guess, is on his phone or has his phone out or the, the lights on on the phone or something. The movie hadn't started yet. Previews are on. And the old guy tells him to put his phone away or asks him to put his phone away. And, you know, depending on whose version of the story you believe, the, the man, re, you know, responded with some vulgarities. And so the, Curtis Reeves, who's the older gentleman, gets up, goes out, tells management, comes back in, and they get into it again. And here's where... Who knows what happened? The, the you know the prosecution and the defense have different accounts of of how it went down, and we'll probably never know how it really went down. But the uh, Mr. Reeves says <clears throat> the guy threw popcorn at him and then was trying to climb over the seat and get to him, so he pulled his gun and killed him. And it turns out this Mr. Reeves is a retired police officer, so he probably knows all the right things to say. You know, he, he knows the. I was in fear of my life, and I'm old and feeble, and he's young and strong. And um, But, you know, my take on the thing is that it never should have been in, in that situation on, on both sides of the coin. Number one, if, you know, if you are really that old and feeble and you, you're feeling uncomfortable and you got your wife with you, you already got up and left once out of the theater, you know, just stay gone. It's a $12 movie ticket. Is it really worth, you know, getting yourself into this situation instead of, trying to be the tough guy and this is where my opinion comes into he wouldn't have been that tough of a guy if he wasn't carrying a gun you know if you're 70 something year old 
you're not in the best of health, you don't feel like you can fight your way out of something, you're probably not going to escalate. You're probably not going to push. You may have never even said anything in the first place. And the fact that the phone is lit up, is it really bothering you that much? And on the other side of the coin, if, you know, if you're that guy thinking you're a Billy Badass and want to talk shit to the guy behind you, you better be careful because it might be an old man that doesn't give a shit anymore and he's going to pull out a gun and shoot your ass. And now what have you gained? You know, I don't, I don't know the story about the, the guy that was killed. I know he was with a, a female. I assume that was his wife, but, you know, may have kids and, and now he's gone just because he was trying to be a tough guy. And again, awesome responsibility and it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't make you a tough guy on either side of the case. So they're in deliberations this week, I guess. They're supposed to come out whether the judge is going to allow, uh, whether, ju- whether or not the judge is going to allow the stand your ground defense. And that's how attorneys are using it. I think, you know, I think the attorneys are using it um, in an incorrect manner. Now, if I was Mr. Reeves, I would certainly be using it also, I assume. But, you know, that it's, this guy started the whole thing, and then now he's using stand your ground to in his defense when, you know, I don't think that's how it should be used. So it'll be interesting to see what comes from it, but, you know, just keep those, keep cases like this in mind when you choose to carry a gun out there because things like this happen. And everybody knows the the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin deal. That was a while ago, and, and neither of those people were angels either. Uh, you know, everybody talks about Trayvon just walking home from the store with a pack of Skittles and some fruit juice or whatever he had, but that's... Uh, pretty easy to figure out what he was doing there. A quick Google search will show you that, you know, that's what they're using to make, um, I don't know what it's called, but some type of cough syrup, drug, alcoholic drink thing they're, they're making with those. And plus he had THC and the toxicology, toxicology reports that this kid was no, he was no choir boy, but the same token, you know, would, would Zimmerman been that tough of a guy and gone over to confront him in that situation if he wasn't carrying a gun? Probably not. Maybe, but probably not. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to want to get in a fight with some kid who's younger and stronger than you in the middle of the night on the street when there's nobody around to help. And then, you know, everybody's seen what happened to Zimmerman over the years. It turns out he may be an idiot too. But nonetheless, that, you know, the whole situation could have been avoided. It was not his job to, to get involved in something like that. You know, stay the hell away from it. Call the cops. Keep an eye on him. Don't follow. But, again, got in the situation because, in my opinion, you know, because he was carrying a gun, and it could have been easily avoided. So that's my self-defense tips for the week. Uh, hopefully some information comes in use to you, for you. A quick plug for a couple of sponsors, uh, Black Scorpion Gear. I've been working with them for a little over a year now. I use their holster in the IDPA state matches weekend. Uh, super slick holster. Nothing overly special about it. It's, you know, typical Kydex carbon fiber looking with a tech lock. But super slick, perfect tension, uh, quick draws. And I was very happy. That's the first time I've used it in a in a big competition. So very happy with with uh, the performance there. And then uh, this year, I've just teamed up with SNS Casting Bullets, and they make um, a coated bullet, and you know, good price point and good performance. A buddy of mine, Dave, loaded up some for me, some 147 grains uh, for this match. Chronoed perfect, uh, super accurate. Again, I was as I said, 18 down for the match, so nothing wrong with the bullet. In practice, they hold a nice group. They go right where I where I point as as long as I do my job. So I'll be working a lot more with them and getting some some different loads made up. Um, probably mainly in nine right now. I'm going to use them for three gun and uh, IDPA and the tactical courses and stuff like that. So I'll let you know how that how that works out. Be sure and, and check them out. Uh, SNS Casting and 
and black scorpion gear. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll try to get back with you sooner on the next one. Y'all have a good day and see you on the range.